Turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, rest, turn. Figure out how can I every day turn my life like a flower turning toward the sun to turn my life in the direction of God's love, in the direction of Jesus. Learn every day. What can I learn from the Word of God through reading of Scripture, reading of spiritual materials that help to train up the Spirit, if you will, but to wrestle and to live with Scripture, paying particular attention to those passages and teachings where we actually hear the voice of Jesus. Pray to spend time every day some real time it doesn't have to be long but some real time in real prayer and there are practices of prayer and different ways of prayer that can help us in that journey worship to gather in Christian community at least once a week preferably for the Holy Eucharist if it is possible to gather for worship as in community where we are with other Christians and other believers and other followers of Jesus where we can worship our God open our lives to God and be blessed by God and by each other Jesus said wherever two or three gather together in my name there I am in the midst of them turn learn pray worship but then bless Somebody once said, we have been blessed so that we might be a blessing. To each day, make a decision. I'm going to live my life as a blessing. And at every turn in that day, every moment of decision, how can I be a blessing in this day, in this way, in this moment? And then to go. To go into the world. To go into the world and touch somebody's life to go into the world and to love the way Jesus loves, to give the way Jesus gives, to forgive the way Jesus forgives, to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God like Jesus. And then after turning, learning, praying, worshiping, blessing, and going to rest. It is not an accident that the seventh day of creation in the book of Genesis is when God saw all that God had made and God rested. The soul must rest. The spirit must rest. If God rested, who are we not to? Turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, rest. These are words that point to practices that can train up the spirit to follow in the way of Jesus and to look something like Jesus. The old hymn says it best. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. God love you. God bless you. May God hold us all in those almighty hands of love. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew 
That I would love what thou dost love, and do what thou wouldst do. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Good morning, church. We are now squarely in the middle of the season called Ordinary Time. This is the very long green season of the church taking us into the beautiful months of summer and heading into the fall. The church has used this time historically to focus on the gospel lessons, revealing the ways that we are invited to pattern our lives as we follow Jesus in the ordinariness of day-to-day -day living. So what better time than now to craft and offer a sermon series built on the seven spiritual practices we just heard introduced by, by our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. Turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. These seven words make up a way of being in the world, what people call a rule of life. Crafting a rule of life began in ancient Christian monastic communities as a way to structure and pattern spiritual formation and practices. It became a way to organize who and how individuals and communities lived together, how they worked together, rested, prayed, and engaged in the world. It was a way to help shape choices and preferences and perspectives, providing a spiritual direction and purpose. Ironically, perhaps, the intent of a rule of life is not to create a litigious structure of do's and don'ts, but even though we hear that word rule, it's actually, for those of us that have a rule of life, many of us describe our rules of life as a framework for freedom. It's like a spiritual roadmap, a sort of guidelines providing some structure to the way that we pray and live our lives as Christians in the world. One of the most famous rules of life comes from St. Benedict, dating back to the 6th century. And he described his rule of life for his religious community as, quote, simply a handbook to make the very radical demands of the gospel a practical reality in daily life. Rules of life can be long or they can be short. They can be complicated or they can be very simple. Some rules of life are crafted for entire communities. Others can be crafted by one person and be very personal. What they all share in common is the purpose of creating rhythms and patterns to grow our faith as we walk with Christ. This particular rule of life, crafted by Bishop Curry a few years ago in consultation with a handful of trusted faith partners, is called the way of love. The seven words, turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest, emerged as verbs, verbs or action words describing the spirit of this extended conversation that Bishop Curry had with a number of prayer partners. Together they offer a beautiful guide, a rule of life for us all. A year ago, one of those spiritual companions, Episcopal priest Scott Gunn, 
led a writing group to produce a small booklet highlighting these seven very ancient spiritual practices in what he describes as, quote, a practical and encouraging guide to begin or deepen our spiritual practices as followers of Jesus. So we will be spending time from now until over the next seven weeks unpacking these different ways of responding and moving in the world as we make our way as followers of Jesus with this rule of life. Every Thursday evening over this same period of time, we'll offer an opportunity to come together and dig a little deeper into these ways of being in the world using Scott Gunn's book. So today we begin this journey with the first practice of this rule of life, turn. Bishop Curry suggests that we consider how we might turn our lives every day towards the sun, turning our lives like a flower in the direction of God's love, in the direction of Jesus. In that invitation to turn, I hear three things. First, I hear the reminder that we have agency. To turn is to make a clear choice. Or maybe I should say it means a commitment to a lifetime of intentional choices. Second, I hear the need to watch and listen. To turn is to discern who and how we might be in the world, choosing courage over comfort, as we sometimes say at Trinity. In a world such as ours right now, so much can keep us frozen and immobile. As we pause and listen deeply for that still small voice inside, I trust that we will be led to turn towards the way of love. And finally, I hear the promise of infinite do-overs. To turn is to make a conscious effort to stay out of the center of our own lives. And as we are asked at the time of our baptisms, whenever we forget and we get stuck in the wrong direction, this part of the way of love reminds us to self-correct and simply choose again by turning. So now let's turn. See what I did there? And look at the gospel lesson from Mark this morning. We find Jesus teaching his disciples today using what we might call mini parables, very short passages compared to some of the other longer parables that we find in scripture, and yet still they are powerful, small but mighty. In fact, I once read the description of these two particular parables as narrative time bombs. Described this way because they are meant to jar us out of complacency, undermining our assumptions of the various givens or realities that we tend to accept without question, and instead offer us a vision of something radically different. And when thought of in this light of our spiritual framework using the way of love, I want to suggest that these parables also form a powerful invitation to turn. A way to live making choices about what we believe and how we might want to pattern our lives. To engage our agency. To pause and listen for God's voice in our lives. And finally, to repeat the pattern of turning again and again any time we fall off the path paved as the way of love. But before we can hear that invitation this morning, I want to revisit the phrase we hear Jesus use today a number of times when he teaches about 
the kingdom of God. I want to circle back to how we began reframing how we think and talk about this language in our faith community so that it does not become a barrier or a concept that we just keep at arm's length. The words kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven live deep in our Christian lexicon and are found sprinkled throughout our sacred texts. And it makes sense also that these might be phrases that we just don't know what to do with these days. The references to kingdom resonate with overtones of militaristic, paternal, hierarchical inferences that don't sit right to our modern day ear and sensibilities. So what are we to do with that very important phrase? Some of you may remember that last summer we explored some other ways of reclaiming the idea with perhaps less jarring or off-putting words offered by those who have also wrestled with this disconnect. One of those ways was to reclaim this concept by using what Jesuit priest Gregory Boyle, founder of Homeboy Industries, has wrestled with. Homeboy Industries is now the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and re-entry program in the world. It's a ministry that has helped reshape the lives of thousands, not only in East Los Angeles, but through helping 147 other similar programs in the United States and 16 programs internationally, now creating something called the Global Homeboy Network. Boyle has done some significant and, I believe, really beautiful work to help reframe the phrase kingdom of God. Listen to what he writes. Homeboy wants to give rise not only to the idea of redemptive second chances, but also to a new model of church as a community of inclusive kinship and tenderness. At Homeboy Industries, we don't prepare individuals for the real world. We challenge it. For the opposite of the real world is not the unreal world, but the kinship of God. What if we cease to pledge our allegiance to the bottom line and stood instead with those who line the bottom? In these words, Boyle pleads the case that Jesus' teachings on the kingdom are really, at the end of the day, about one thing. Jesus' desire for all of us to turn, to turn towards each other, that we may all be one. And so, as others have done as well, he claims the kinship of God becomes the singularly most radical and transformative invitation possible, encouraging us to turn towards each other and towards all of creation. Now that is a kind of turning I pray we all will be able to pledge our lives to living and becoming together. We will no doubt make mistakes as we try to do this. We will no doubt misstep. We will get complacent or scared or strident or arrogant, and we will forget the necessity of turning with humility and patience. But we can choose to turn, to turn towards the kinship of God, towards the belief that we are all connected. We too can challenge ourselves, revealing implicit and explicit bias, 
speaking up and out when any form of injustice rears its head, acting in solidarity with those who have been marginalized. And each time that we turn, we move closer to Father Boyle's vision of church as a community of inclusive kinship and tenderness. So with that reminder of the power of the kinship of God, what small but mighty invitation might we eke out of these little seeds offered in today's mini narrative time bombs? How might a little mustard seed help us turn? Often, preachers reduce the mustard seed from today's parable into a trite maxim such as, great things have little beginnings. But I hear something completely different today as we seek to turn, choosing the path leading us back to our truest selves and our deep connections one to another. To begin, it helps to remember that the mustard was actually an extremely invasive weed that was not desirable to those who would have been hearing this parable in a first century context. We would do better to think of some equivalent modern-day gardener's nightmare. Think dandelions or crabgrass or poison ivy in place of the mustard seed. Only then can we grasp the point that the kinship of God, turning toward the gift of deep, true, honest, vulnerable, and radically transforming connection, is ultimately something we may choose, but we do not control. There is a wildness and a chaotic nature to this kinship presence. And there is both a freedom and a high price that comes from continuing surrendering to the work of turning and choosing to follow the way of love. There are no prerequisites to engaging this work of turning, just a willingness to shift, to move, to lean towards the sun as Bishop Curry invites us to do. So welcome to the way of love. Welcome to this path laid out with seven spiritual touchstones along the way. I'm starting to think of each of them in my mind's eye as cairns, the Gaelic word describing those little piles of rock that you find along the path sometimes when you're out hiking. They are already there waiting to greet us. They are ready to be noticed to be appreciated, to have us spend some time with them, and maybe even let them pull us deeper into the kinship of God, turning towards a community of inclusive kinship and tenderness. I continue to be so very grateful for this beautiful community of faith, for its resilience, for its tenderness, for its inclusive nature. Traveling mercies, my dear ones, as we start moving on this way of love together. May it be so.